8, verse 1. Thank you, Ken, so much for blessing us with um, your singing and with leading us in worship already. And um, maybe for those who aren't uh, regular attenders of our evening services, especially during the month of December, it might be helpful to know that it's often during the month of December that I will preach different kinds of sermons. It's in previous years that I've preached biographical sermons where we learn about the great saints of the past. And um, in previous years also, I have uh, preached sermons about the stories behind some of the most beloved Christmas carols. And so uh, today we'll feature the story of the, uh, the writing of the German Christmas carol, Silent Night. And um, you might be a little bit surprised to see that the scripture text for a Christmas carol sermon is the book of Revelation, but we'll find something amazing um, in this book of the Bible where John sees a vision of heaven and um, something actually fairly surprising to, to us is happening in heaven when John is given his vision. And so um, let's pray before I read our passage tonight. Let's go to the Lord now in prayer. O Lord, you have sent Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord of all, into this world, a world of danger and sin and suffering, of temptation, and you have sent him here to bring salvation, to earn for us a secure salvation through his death and resurrection. And so, God, we come to you desiring to know more of Christ, to learn more of of who Jesus is and how we are called to worship him, not just during the Christmas season, but every day of our lives. God, we pray that you would show us Christ during this scripture reading and my message. And God, we pray that your spirit would fall powerfully among us and even be at work within us so that we might know the truth and in knowing the truth would be set free. In Jesus' name, amen. God's word from Revelation 7, starting at verse 13. This is John's vision. He sees that then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How is silence generally described in our culture Are people accepting and even welcoming of silence, or is this something that makes people uncomfortable? 
When there's a lull in a conversation, how does that make you feel? When a family member makes a rude comment at the Thanksgiving table and everyone sits in silence for about 15 seconds, how does that time of silence feel? When the pastor loses his place in a sermon for a moment, how does that silence feel? People put an adjective before the word silence in all of those situations. They would call it an awkward silence. We feel the need to fill the quiet during a conversation, or we feel the need to fill the quiet even in our lives with some kind of noise. Driving in our car, and it's too quiet, some people might say at times, and so they turn on the radio. Or in social situations, silence can make us uncomfortable. We might even walk away from a conversation where there were a few gaps in the conversation. It didn't flow as much as we would have liked to hope, and we would almost feel during those conversations which had moments of silence in them, like that conversation was a failure, like we've failed in some way to connect with the person who we were talking with. So when we read John's description of silence in heaven, it is not meant to be understood as a moment of discomfort, certainly not a moment where people in heaven are feeling awkward in the presence of God. It's not as though they don't have anything to say. We read in the verses preceding Revelation 8 verse 1 that they have many reasons to praise God, many reasons to talk to one another about the greatness of God and of the salvation that he's given us. John has just heard from the angel that these are the people who have been washed and made clean by the blood of the Lamb. They are before his throne serving him day and night. They will never hunger or thirst again. Christ is their shepherd, leading them to springs of living water. They don't lack any reason to worship. They don't lack any reason to sing. They don't lack any reasons to speak words of adoration about Christ. But for half an hour, there's silence in heaven. It's one of my most favorite descriptions of heaven. The multitudes of saints and angels in silence before God. Sometimes when someone in church passes away, a a saintly believer in Christ, um, it's often said of that person that now they're, they're singing in heaven around the throne of God, and that is true. Certainly we see visions of that in the book of Revelation. But what about people enjoying silence in the presence of God in heaven? The multitudes of saints in awe of God. While preparing for this message, I studied the topic of silence in Scripture, of what is happening in various parts of the Bible where there is silence. And I noticed three things about silence. In the Psalms, there are many requests that God would not remain silent, but that God would speak, that God would help, that God would give salvation deliverance for his people. A second thing I noticed is that the psalmist often says, I will not keep silent, God, in seeking justice, in in coming to you in prayer. And so the psalmist again and again is making an oath before God, I will not keep silent while I'm suffering. And so would come to God in in moments of prayer, even in moments of lament. But there's a, a third thing that you see often in scriptures where someone is told to be silent before the Lord. 
This happens in the book of Job a handful of times where Job is commanded to keep silence before God, to listen to God. In Habakkuk chapter 2, God tells Israel that he is in his holy temple and they should keep silence before him. And when James wrote uh, the familiar command to the New Testament church to be quick to listen and slow to speak, it's actually a reference to how we should approach God. We think of that often in our interpersonal interactions, and it's good advice for that. But when James writes that in James chapter 2, he's just been writing about the Word of God and the good things that God gives us. And then right after that, James says, so be quick to listen and slow to speak. Therefore, the Christian should be quick to listen, should be able to be silent before God to listen to the Word of God, to open our our hearts and our minds to what God might say to us. In silence, we show we are listening. We're paying attention. I recall the teaching of a seminary professor who would often encourage us, uh, us young preachers to put silence, to put actually moments of, of pauses in our sermons. Instead of just filling it with all kinds of energy and just steamrolling through all of the different things that we need to get through during a sermon, our seminary professor would encourage us to just pause for different moments where there was something that the congregation needed to think about a little bit. And um, he would say if if the congregation is tracking with the preacher, then that pause is not an awkward silence. But there's actually a holiness and a, a solemnity to that kind of silence he would say this is called a pregnant pause. There's something that we're we're thinking about and something good that's about to happen when the silence is broken. The pause is pregnant because there is something good that's coming right after it. And even in the silence itself, it can be a blessing just to stop, just to think. This is far from an awkward silence. It is a pregnant pause. It's pointing forward. The awkward silence makes you want to get out of a situation. The pregnant pause makes you lean in further to listen more acutely with with more focus. We can almost imagine the pregnant pause in heaven, the electricity of that worship where there was silence in the presence of God. One of my favorite preachers, Martin Lloyd-Jones, talks about how where the Spirit is moving among a congregation, uh, it is sometimes in in moments of of high emotion, but but he said in his experience, the the Spirit has, has often been most powerfully experienced in moments of silence, where everyone is is locked in, is listening, is opening up their their hearts and your in your minds to what the Word of God might have for you. And so a question that we need to ask from this vision that we have of heaven is, are you able to be silent before God? Are you able to just stop, to pause, to listen, to worship God in silence? This is not something that we're trained very well to do, is it? Uh, We associate worship with the things that we do. And for good reason, it's good to read your Bible and pray to God and sing to God. 
But maybe in, uh, in your own devotional life, you could incorporate uh, moments of silence where you just stop and listen. Unfortunately, this is the time of year, the month of December, where people experience the opposite of silence, the opposite of rest or of a time of, of pensive, thoughtful worship. Rather than focusing more on Jesus, this is a season where we become so distracted by commotion, by busyness, and even by stress. And this has been the case for a long time, but, um, but there is a time uh, before, I would say, the commercialization of Christmas, where it really was a time of getting ready, of listening, of waiting for the advent of Christ. 207 years ago, an Austrian priest named Joseph Mohr went for a walk in the winter on a snowy night. He went for a walk in his village where he was serving his congregation. And for those maybe who haven't lived in a place where it snows, um, there is a palpable silence to the town when you are walking around or, or experiencing a town after the snow has fallen, especially at night. Um, this was my experience growing up in the state of Illinois, that um, there was still sometimes commotion during the day, but it was at night after the snow had fallen that there was a noticeable, even I would say powerful, silence about the town. And the reason for this is that not only would people stay indoors more often after it had snowed, but just physically the, the blanket of snow deadens the sound of the, on, that's on the streets. And so Joseph Moore was walking around um, outside um, his snowy town, and he was so inspired by the beauty of the stillness of that night that when he returned back to his home, uh, the lyrics to Silent Night just flowed right from his pen. So he wrote, Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright, thinking about the birth of Christ. So this town that seemed to be sleeping in heavenly peace made him think of the sleeping Christ child in his mother's arms. Two years after that, uh, Joseph was serving a church in Austria where the organ was broken. And so the debut of his new song, Silent Night, would be sung with a single guitar and um, alongside the, the author of the melody, Franz Gruber. And so Franz Gruber wrote the music, Joseph Moore wrote the words, they sang the song together in their church, um, preparing for the celebration of Christmas. So the more I thought about that song this past week, the more I, I think of the lyrics not only as a description of the first Christmas, but the lyrics are an invitation for us to keep silence before the Lord. Not just a description of Jesus' birth, which of course it is, but, but an encouragement for us to be silent, to listen, to wait, and to seek the Lord. In Revelation 8 verse 1, there was half an hour of quiet before the Lord because God's presence is, inspires so much awe and, and should already inspire that kind of awe in, in us as we live um, what many songs call here below, <laughs> that we would practice already a heavenly worship by singing, 
and by being silent before God. When we're silent, we can listen, we can think. Our our thoughts would hopefully be filled during worshipful times of silence with just remembering the truths of who Jesus is. That Jesus, the Son of God, was born into the world to save sinners. Just to pause for a moment and consider the beauty and the power of that truth. It is so good for us to pause and dwell on those simple truths. And if, if, if you struggle to know what to think about during times of silence, you might remember simple songs like Jesus Loves Me. <laughs> oh, uh, Father, I Adore You. You know, uh, any song that would be a simple chorus that would enter your mind and you could just remember it and um, believe it in a, in a time of silent worship. Brothers and sisters, we should be careful this season not to allow for the busyness of parties and family gatherings and shopping and even worship services to get in the way of silent and reverent worship before God. The more silence you incorporate into your Advent preparations during this Christmas season, the more this becomes a time that is like a pregnant pause that comes before the celebration. So instead of considering any quiet time as awkward or needing to be fulfilled or filled, take those times to lean in further towards God. What might you say to me in this 10 minutes that I have with nothing to do right now, God? Instead of feeling you've got to fill it up with entertainment or the phone or music or getting busy with something else, just stop and listen. Getting very practical. I want to offer a challenge, a very practical challenge that I'm going to do as well. Put an alarm on your phone at a time where you know you often have time during the day, maybe off by yourself if you know it's in maybe the middle of a work day, and just put be silent on your alarm. So just find a time of day that would be good, set an alarm to repeat every day of the week, and that alarm will go off. And you could be silent for two minutes before God. And you have your phone out already, so set a little timer there and just be silent before God for two minutes. I think that we could incorporate that into our times of worship. The people in heaven gathered around the throne were silent for a whole half an hour, but maybe we'll start small by working on two minutes during this Advent season. And when you're doing that, you join with the saints in heaven in worship in listening, in enjoying the presence of God. So as we sing Silent Night tonight, let's remember how Jesus came into the world where many people were waiting and listening, listening for God to speak, waiting for God to save, waiting for a revelation of deliverance. Are we waiting for Christ to return and listening for him to speak to us through his word and spirit today? Are we silent before God and able to hear his voice when he speaks? Amen. Let's pray.